Have you ever wondered what God was up to with this thing or that thing in your life? Why am I going through this? Why now? Why him? Why me? Perhaps there have been situations you face where you have even wondered where God was. Where is he in this thing? It doesn't seem like he could be present here. But just like last week how we discussed how God uses unexpected people and unexpected places, this week we're going to look at how God has purposes that to us are completely unexpected. Completely unexpected. The very thing we think we know the reason for, we don't. Many things we want to know the reason for, and we won't. The reason, the purpose. Because there is a purpose to all things. I'll say that again. There is a purpose to all things. Nothing happens by accident. Nothing is a mistake. Nothing was just out of nowhere. Nothing happens outside of God's sight or his control. And since that's true, then all things have a purpose. If, if nothing happens outside of God's control, that means God's controlling it. That means it has a reason. It has a purpose. But sometimes that purpose to us is completely unexpected. I invite you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, where... It gives the genealogy of Jesus, the family heritage, kind of telling us. It gives us points us through reason about that he wasn't really that unexpected of a person in this family anyways. But more than that, it shows us something unique about the purpose of this baby that the world centers around. Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to read from verse 18 uh, through the end of the chapter. This is God's word. Verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This child, Jesus. The world, the time centers around Jesus. Our calendar centers around Jesus. What was the purpose of this child? Imagine being Mary, being Joseph, and, and then trying to explain not only how this miracle happened to other people. They probably went into hiding, right? As soon as Mary found out, we, we assume she went into hiding. That's why she went to Elizabeth's house. Because um, try to explain that one, right? I have this miracle child in me, and this miracle child has a purpose. And here it is. Verse 21. 
says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Here's his purpose. For he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. So earlier, long ago, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. You shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God will save his people from their sins. And this Jesus, this child, is Jesus. This child is God who will save his people from their sins. That was his purpose. That's why he was born into this world. Imagine trying to explain that one to a friend who says, oh, you're expecting. And you're like, yeah, well, he's got a purpose. It's a big one. He is going to save his people Think, wait a second, it's a baby. It's not even in the world. How does he have his people? And how is he going to save them and save them from what? That is a jam-packed purpose for this unborn child. He is going to save them from their sins? How? This is just a baby. He has a purpose, an unexpected purpose to Mary, to Joseph. I'm sure they did not imagine that the first child that they would have would have such a purpose. It's quite unexpected. You normally think of, what's the purpose of your child? Some people say, well, someone to do the dishes. Uh, (laughs) When they grow up, someone to take care of me when I get old. That's what some people say. That's what their children are for. But God gives us a purpose to have children. When he tells us to be fruitful and multiply, he's talking about making more disciples. Uh, But what was the purpose of this child? It was utterly unique. He was to save. To save. He was to be God with us. I want you to hear Jesus' purpose from his own mouth. He goes on in his life to tell others his purpose. And I'm just going to draw on three examples and look at them carefully. The first, in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, I'll just read it for you. He says, Jesus said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Jesus says, I was sent for this purpose, to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. That's twofold. His purpose, number one, was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. To tell others how they may be restored to God, brought into relationship with God, or reconciled to God. To preach. To tell the good news. That there is a, that you are broken in your sinfulness. That you are estranged from God. You are an enemy of God. You are in an opposite kingdom of God. But the good news of the kingdom of God is that you can be made right. You can come be welcomed back into this kingdom. Become a citizen of this kingdom. This is the good news. And amazingly, he has a second fold of this purpose. And it's in the terms other towns. He says, I came to preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For this purpose I was sent. Other towns, meaning not just the Jewish people. Jesus was to bring this good news, this reconciling news that God would be for all the people. Not just this sliver over here. Not just a certain heritage. Not just a certain family group. But instead it was to the other towns as well. To the Gentiles. To you. To me. He says, for I was sent for this purpose. Preach the good news and to take it to others. Another time Jesus talks about his purpose in John chapter 12, 27. He says, this is as he was um, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? The night before his death, he's praying in the garden. And he's, he's asking God to take this cup away, this cup. 
And he says in, in John, John accounts it this way. He says, now my soul is troubled. What shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. Like the, the impending wrath of God. He says, save me from this hour. Like this is not to be endured by anyone. We cannot stand up under our own sin. Like if you were to try to stand before God, taking all the wrath from him for your own sin, you wouldn't stand. Hence, you will burn forever in hell. You just can't stand. So then Jesus, standing before God, not only taking your sin upon himself, but my sin and the sin of every person who he calls son or daughter, this is the hour he's speaking of. And so he says, Father, save me from this hour. Like, is there another way? But, he says, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour. For this is the purpose. I have come to this hour. I was born for this, to bear the wrath of God on behalf of these sinners, to make them free from their sin and their guilt. I was born for this, but for this purpose, I have come to this hour, he says. He came not only to preach the good news, to to welcome others in, to invite others more than the Jewish family, to invite all people to say, look, you have offended God, but there is good news. That you can be part of this kingdom, that you can be a citizen, that you can be restored to God. Come back in. Here's the good news. He says, I was sent for that. But then when he gets to the hour, he says, here's, what, here's how that happens. Here's how it takes place. Is by The only way you're ever going to get into God's kingdom is if I bear the weight of your sinfulness. If I take all your filth and all your guilt that has refused you entry to this kingdom, you will not get in trying to do it on your own. He says, but this hour I've come for. And I'll take all of your sin and all of your guilt so that you may enter in and embrace the good news. You've come to this hour, he says, for this purpose I have come. And then the third thing, he, when he's being accused in front of Pontius Pilate a few hours later, Pilate said to him, so you are a king? And Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born. And for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. He says, this is the purpose I was born, is to bear witness to the truth. And we know he is the way, the truth, and the life. He has come to preach good news. He has come to bear God's wrath for our sin. And he has come to extend that truth to us. He says, for for this reason, I have come. We know that that's amazing. If you just now back up to this story, this birth account of Jesus, where Mary and Joseph are told, well, Joseph's told here in Matthew, our account, in verse 21, she will bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Those three things that I just accounted where Jesus explains himself, he, he tells us who his people are. It's not just the Jewish people. It's those in other towns as well. They're where he's going to preach the good news, but also those who he has borne the wrath for. And that's the part where Joseph's being told he will save his people. Save them. Save them from what? Well, the wrath that they deserve. The anger of God against them. The the battle which they have been waging their entire lives and thinking they're winning. If you're walking in sin, you think you're winning. You might get away with it today. You might get away with it your entire life. And you think you're doing okay. 
But the battle's not yet begun. And God will pour out all of his might on your sin. But for this hour, Jesus says, I have come. And Joseph heard it. He will save them. He will save them from their sins and the effect of their sin, their, their offense against God. He will rescue them from that. That's why this child came to be a rescuer. For this purpose I have come, Jesus says. Joseph was told he will save them from their sins. And this is the truth that Jesus bore witness to. But sometimes in our ignorance, we expect a different plan from God. Even his disciples expected a different plan for his life. Oftentimes we expect a different plan in our lives. We think, this is the way my life should go. If God is with me and for me and not against me, this is the way things should go. I should not have to experience this or go through that. This is what it looks like to walk with God, right? In our ignorance, we often maybe even will have told God, I think you're doing this wrong. Now, before you say, oh, I would never say such a thing, Remember that you are in good company. You are in good company if you've ever questioned what God is doing and the way he's doing it and why he's doing it. Let me remind you of Peter. Jesus, after he revealed his purpose to Peter and his disciples as to why he was going to Jerusalem, like, here's why we're actually going that way. Here's why we're headed on this journey. I'm going to die. Peter rebuked him. Peter said, no, I don't think so. No, no, that's not the plan. That can't be a part of this plan. You're supposed to be the almighty savior, the strong king who's going to rule over the people. You, this is not the plan. Your plan is wrong. So the account is in Matthew 16. I'll read it for you. From this time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Here's what Peter did. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned to Peter. He said, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Peter thought he knew the plan. Peter thought there is no way what Jesus is saying is right. This is an unexpected plan and Jesus rebukes him, and he says, Peter, you might not see the whole picture here. Peter, what you're actually saying is satanic. You are trying to tell me to avoid suffering. How many times do we hear that today? Suffering is not God's plan. Really? Really? Because that's what Peter said. Peter said, this shall never happen to you. This is not the way. Far be it from you, Lord, to suffer and for you to die, this is not the way that God designs things. God is for us. Don't you know what that means, Jesus? And then Jesus turns to him and says, you're wrong. You are horribly wrong. You are sinfully wrong. You are focused on the things of man, the things of this earth, the things not in God's mind. You're a hindrance to me. How many times maybe do you think that God's either not in this plan altogether or he's taking a break or you're doing it on your own and that's why things are going as poorly as they are and you think there's no way this is God's plan for my life or where is the purpose in this thing because if God was in it I think it would go much smoother or life wouldn't be as difficult in this time 
But that sort of thinking is the same thinking that Peter had. And Jesus rebuked him and said, you don't know the mind of God. So submit to this mind of God. Our purpose is in question sometimes. When, when something comes up in our life, when we are thinking about our future, we think about things that have happened in the past. We think about what was the purpose of that? Why? Why is what we want to know. Why me? Why now? Why this? Right? But the question we should be asking is, what is it that God desires to accomplish? What is it that God desires to accomplish in this thing? This is a question we should ask on a regular basis. Instead of asking why me, or why now, or why this, you can ask what for. What for? Instead of why me, ask what for. Because once you know the purpose, once you know what it is for, then you can submit to the how. Okay, I know um, the, what's going on. I know what the reason is. So how is this going to play out, God? What are you doing here? And how can I get on board with you? Rather than why me, why that? You're never going to know why you or why this time. None of that matters. What matters is what's going on and how it's going to take place. So you ask, what is God trying to accomplish? What is this for? And then you can learn how to submit to what God is doing. How is God going to accomplish this purpose in me and through me? You think about, you know, if you've believed the purpose of Jesus, if you know that Jesus came into the world to save his people and you have heard that, you have recognized that you need that from Jesus. You realize that you are at war with God and that the only way to be made right and welcomed into his kingdom is to come to faith in Christ, to come and look and say, I believe his purpose. I believe that he was meant to suffer, die, and bear the wrath for me. I believe that was for me. That agony in the garden was, was for me. The death on the cross was in my place. And his life he now lives. He's up there interceding for me. I believe that. When you believe that and you embrace that, what's the reason? What's the reason? What, why were you saved? We call that being saved, right? Embracing the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to him and saying, I can't do this thing. I need Jesus. I want to be transformed. Save me. Romans tells us, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So for what purpose? 2 Timothy 1.9 says God saved us for a purpose. He says, 2 Timothy 1.9 says, He who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in the Lord Jesus Christ before the ages began. He saved us because of his own purpose. Not because of something you did. Not because you looked special or you looked promising or that you were seeking him really strong or that you were coming in real hot and you thought, oh, there's a winner. They're, they're reading just enough. They're praying just enough. I'm going to pluck them out and take them on my team. It was not because of anything you did. He saved us, it says, because of his own purpose. What is his purpose in saving you? Now you might maul and think, why? Yeah, why would he save me? He, he, did he save me? The purpose was to make sure that I'm forgiven, make sure that I'm free from guilt and free from shame, that I can have a restored relationship with God, that I can be made new and that he can in, strengthen me for tomorrow and he can make me a better person so that I might enjoy heaven forevermore. Is that why he saved me? Those things are all byproducts. They are all byproducts 
of his purpose in saving you. Yes, you do get forgiveness. You get shame taken away. You get life anew, a new chance. You get grace upon grace every day. You get help from God. You get eternal life. But those are all byproducts of his purpose. His purpose in saving you, he recounts really well in Ezekiel 36. You can follow along if you want. I'm going to read 11 verses here. Ezekiel 36. It'll begin at verse 21. Here is one of the greatest passages to understand the purpose for God saving you and saving me. What's the purpose of God saving sinners? Ezekiel 36, verse 21 and following. Here's what God's word says. Here's his purpose. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they went. Just pause there. We also have profaned God's name among everywhere we went. We, we disregarded God's name, and when we walk in sin, we profane it. We say, his name's not worthy of anything my sin is. So we, too, are guilty of the same sin. So he says, I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations where they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned it in their midst. Then the nations will know that I am the Lord declares the Lord God, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. For I will take you from the nations and I will gather all the lands and I will bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle you clean with water and, I, and you'll be clean. I will cleanse you from all of your filthiness and from all of your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. And you'll be careful to observe my ordinances. And you will live in the land that I give your forefathers. So you'll be my people and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from all your uncleanness. And I will call for the grain and multiply it, and I will bring no famine on you. And I will multiply the fruit tree and the produce of the field, that you may not receive grain. Again, the disgrace of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds that were not good. And you will loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. I am not doing this for your sake, declares the Lord God. Wow. All the amazing things that are wrapped up here in God saving his people. I will cleanse you from your filthiness. I will give you a new heart, he says. I'll put my spirit within you. I will save you. But then he says, I'm not doing it for your sake. That bursts my bubble. I thought God existed for me. I thought Jesus came for me. That's why he came. It was for my salvation. Well, he says... 
I saved you and I did all these things for you. I, I cleansed you. I give you a new heart. I put my spirit in you. I saved you, not for your own sake. It wasn't for you. It was for the sake of my own name. I love how he begins that. It is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for my holy name. Amazing. He does all that he does. Jesus came into the world. Jesus is going to save his people from their sins. Why? For his own sake. For the sake of his own name. And what's amazing, we've talked about this before, is some people may think, well, well that's kind of weird. That seems kind of selfish. That God would do everything for the sake of his own name. Why not for other things? Well, like I said, those are byproducts. We, we get to be clean. We get a new heart. We get a new chance. We get his spirit. But the purpose was his name being made right again. And we need that to be true. If we don't trust in the name of God, if God's name is not upheld as high and holy and pure, then what is it? It's useless. This God who is meant to, to save us, this God who we have offended, if his name is as, as normal as the name of Walmart, who cares if you have screwed up against Walmart? Don't go to Walmart. But his name is not just another name brand. It's not just another person. His name is the name above all names. And so he says, I'm going to lift up my name again and I'm going to show my name and who I am to be holy and pure so that when you offend me, you realize how wrong you are. And we need that. We need God's name to be holy and great again. So he's, that's why he's doing all things. The purpose of all things is the glory of his name. So when you think about what's going on in your life, what's the purpose for this thing? What's the purpose for this trial, this situation, this hardship? The glory of his name. Romans 9, 17, when he's speaking of Pharaoh, which rings true of us too, he says, for this very purpose I raised you up, talking about Pharaoh, that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. That is vital. That his name be proclaimed in all the earth because what we need is to call upon that name. We need to know we've offended that name. And we need to know that that name saves. This name Jesus given to this child. Acts 4 tells us uh, th that there's no other name given among heaven by which we must be saved. It's the name Jesus. 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 His name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then when we ask the question of things in our life, what is God trying to accomplish here? We know that he's trying to accomplish the glory of his name, to glorify his name, to make his name, uh, as he says, I will prove myself holy among them. That's what he's doing in all things, every situation. Think about it right now. You're thinking of things, trials. What is he doing? He's vindicating his name. He's going to glorify his name. Sometimes that comes through humbling you, knocking you down 25 notches. Sometimes that comes through you thinking you're not as strong as you once were. Sometimes that comes through you being in utter loneliness and grief. What is he doing? He's vindicating his name. He's glorifying his name. So then when we know that that's the purpose for all things, we know what he's up to. What is God up to? Glorifying his name. So then we can ask, well, how are you doing it? And how can I get on board? How can I ensure that you're most glorified in this time and in, the, in and through this thing, in and through me? If I know that all that he's doing is glorifying his name in all the earth, how is he doing it in this situation for me? And how can I submit to that? What an unexpected purpose. 
unexpected purpose in this child, right? That he was come to save his people from their sins. For what reason? To glorify his name. We had profaned it. We had made his name nothing. And yet he says, all right, well, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to transform this person and that person. And they're going to begin to reflect me again. And people are going to again see how great I am. And they need to see that in order to, to be saved because God is most satisfying to us. There's nothing else in the universe that satisfies us like knowing God, being in right relationship with God, spending eternity with God. So if everybody forgot his name, no one will be satisfied. That's the worst thing that could happen. That's the worst thing that could happen is everyone forget God's name. And so the best thing that can happen is he glorifies his name in all the earth. So he sent his son to save people from their sins so that we could glorify his name in all the earth. This baby born to save his people. And you, born again for God's glory. In and through you, what is he doing? Think about in you. How is, I say, okay, I know your purpose of what's going on in my inner turmoil. How are you playing that out? Are you humbling me? Are you making me more dependent upon you? What are you doing so that I might get on board and submit myself to that? Or, or through me? How do you want to glorify yourself through me? How are you going to use me in this situation? How? How, God? How am I to get on board? How am I submit to you? We know the purpose. God's glory. Are we submitting to it? May God give us the grace we need to submit to his purpose, his unexpected purpose. You might see this thing in front of you and think, why me? Instead, we can always ask, well, why not me? But more importantly, we can ask, well, what's it for? And we know the answer. We know the answer. Isn't that satisfying to know that you, you know what, the purpose of this? And therefore, because you know the purpose, you can trust that, that God is in control. And you don't need to be like Peter and say, well, that, that can't be the purpose. Well, it is. God's going to use it. And I'm so thankful he does. Because then it gives my life, my sufferings, my difficulties, it gives them all a purpose. Imagine living a life without purpose. There's no, people die. People kill themselves when they don't have a purpose. So we have a purpose. Glorify the, the name of God and it is so good for us and it's good for the world because he satisfies us. So then may we trust in him and have that grace, have the strength that we need to submit to the purpose even when it's hard, even on the hard days. To say, I know your purpose and I, I want to get on board with how you're working this out in, in me and through me for your glory. Let's pray to that end. God, you are the creator of all things, and you have done all things well. There's no one like you. There's none besides you. And so we um, submit ourselves to you and to your purpose. We're so thankful that your purpose in all things is to glorify your name in all the earth. And, and that you made us to, to enjoy you forever and to glorify you forever. And therefore, we'd be satisfied. God, may we never be dissatisfied because we are distracted by the why, or we are looking elsewhere, may we always remember that you are working a purpose for your glory in us and through us in every circumstance at all times, God. May we submit to what you are doing for us and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.